Okay, this is Gary Parrish again from CBSSports.com again, and let me welcome you to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast again, which is now, of course, brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to Squarespace.com slash CBSSports and use the offer code FUN. That's FUN at Squarespace.com slash CBSSports. All right, let's get into it. Jeff Borzello and Matt Norlander are both with me, as they are every single Monday. They are at home. I am in St. Louis. we got a lot of stuff to address from the weekend. I was in Omaha uh, for Doug McDermott's senior night on Saturday night. Then I was in St. Louis, still am, for yesterday's Wichita State uh, win, which is their historic 34th of this season. They'll be 34-0 on selection Sunday. Meantime, Nebraska put itself in a great position to make the NCAA tournament. Kentucky got pounded at Florida. Andrew Wiggins went for a career high in a loss at West Virginia. Meanwhile, his teammate, Joel Embiid, is in California seeing a back specialist. Like I said, we got a lot of stuff to get to. Let me start with you, Borzello, because God knows at some point we're going to forget that you're even on this podcast. <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll, Here's a very simple question. In your mind, what is the headline from the weekend? Uh, I think it's Wichita State uh, going undefeated. I just think that, you know, we haven't seen it since UNLV. It's been the topic of conversation in college basketball for the past, you know, couple of months. Every time you mention Wichita State, you get a response, whether it's positive or negative. To me, they're the, the biggest story in college basketball right now. And them finishing 34-0 and going into the NCAA tournament with, you know, I'm guessing a number one seed, I think that's the biggest story right now. I'm with you. I think Wichita State is the biggest story. I think they're the biggest story going into the NCAA tournament. We've joked about this before when John Calipari said that he had the, the most overanalyzed team in the history of sports. Uh, I, I would argue that Wichita State is the most uh, overanalyzed and often um, ignorantly disrespected team in college basketball. They have sur- somehow surpassed uh, Kentucky as a topic of conversation, even though Kentucky's preceded number one uh, ranked team that is uh, I don't want to say uh, it turned into a mess, but certainly hasn't been what it was supposed to be. Uh, I, I love this team. I, I, I think I'm all in with them. I think, I swear to God, when the brackets come out, I think I'm going to pick them to win the national championship. I'm just going to ride it all the way to the end. You know, from, I figure at this point, I'm so deep in there with Wichita State that if they lose early, I'm going to take a hit anyway. So I might as well just push all in on them. Uh, uh, Nordlander, it, it wouldn't be the craziest thing to pick Wichita State to win the whole thing. I mean, their numbers... Ken Palm numbers, Sagarin numbers, all the stuff that, that tends to matter, uh, they look the right way, don't they? Hey, guys. Yes, they do. And uh, damn, do I love this time of year. They look really good. Uh, it is, I'm, I'm ready for the can they win it all discussion. We've taken too long to get there. But you go 34-0 to Selection Sunday, and let's, you know, we've we've kind of dodged the one-seed discussion for the most part because we know that's inevitable. But uh, let's move on from that. Let's move on from can they make the Final Four, which obviously is no guarantee. But let's discuss whether this team actually can win the national title. Uh, I think it is possible. If I was lining up teams, I thought we were most likely to do it. I don't think I could get beyond five before I, I had to put Wichita State down. I, I still wouldn't pick them as the favorite, um, but I still think they're unbelievable in how they don't get rattled. I mean, the game got to within four. You were there on hand, GP. Van Vliet buries two trays. It goes back up to 10. Indiana State never gets closer again. Uh, and that was that was basically the most drama on the court Wichita State has seen in like five weeks. So it's... Uh, 
it's absolutely nuts. And just a real quick one, like I wanted to ask you guys, like if they did do it, if they went 40 and 0, 40 and 0 and undefeated won the title, it would probably be the best uh, sports story of the of the year and all sports in the calendar year. But um, where do you think we would put the team? Like all time, would it, we even considered a a top ten all time basketball college basketball team? I feel like it wouldn't, even though obviously no one would have ever done forty and zero. I don't think we would put it ahead of the the Anthony Davis Kid Gilchrist team from two yeah, years see, ago. Yeah, I, yeah. They're, I they're, mean, they're you can make a case. I just don't think we would think of it that way. They're right. always going to be like. And listen, they could go forty and zero, and let's be clear, they're probably not going forty and zero, right? Uh, like Greg Marshall said yesterday, we th- we think we can win the whole thing. We want to win the whole thing, but. Like, 68 of us are going to be in the tournament, and 67 of us aren't going to win the whole thing. You know, like, right. the, the odds are, are, are uh, overwhelmingly against anybody to win the whole thing. Like, I'll let, any, I'll let you guys, for however much money you want, take whatever team you want, and I'll just take the field. You know, right. so if you're lining up to, to, to make it a, if Wichita State doesn't do this, then they weren't for real. Then you're just, you're rigging the game uh, against them. But, um. Like, there's only two teams in the country right now that are ranked, you know, number one offense, number one, uh, or top ten offense, top ten defense in terms of efficiency at Kenpom. It's Florida and and Wichita State. And so this is a great basketball team. Now, will it ever be remembered, even at 40-0, as one of the all-time greats? I doubt it because they don't look the right way. You know, you kind of need, yeah. you know, they don't, they, where's, your, where's your top five pick? Where's your future NBA all-star? They don't, they don't pass that test. Um, you know, I guess Frank could play in the NBA someday. I guess Ron Baker could play in the NBA someday, theoretically. I guess Clay Anthony could maybe end up on a roster someday. But um, even even your biggest Wichita State defenders would acknowledge uh, they're not sitting here with the typical kind of pros that you need to go win uh, the whole thing. That said, um, I, I do think I, I genuinely believe they're good enough, and um, and and so does you know these advanced algorithms that that are historically great at. at at grouping people who are good enough to do this. They like Wichita State, too. So I honestly, if you want to argue, and I wrote this in the column, that they're not the best team in the country or even the second best team in the country, like, I'll listen to that. If you want to argue that they're not legit and just as a reasonable guess to win the whole thing as, as basically anybody else, I, I just reject that. I, well, I mean, well yeah. one, one Vegas hotel put out odds today, and it, it, they Wichita State was seventh. They were Behind Florida, Kansas, Arizona, sixth. Florida, Kansas, Arizona, Duke, Michigan State, Wichita State. Yeah, that's fine. Like I, no, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, like people say that they're, you know, they're they only got the number one seed because they didn't beat anybody. Like they're right there in the mix. I mean, they're not going to beat Arizona ten out of ten times, but you know, they they can hang with these teams like like Duke can hang with these teams. Norlander, will you please explain? Because I, I imagine there's some people listening right now. We we talk about the Kim Pom numbers all the time, and I, I don't know that we ever actually explain. Uh, what they mean. So, so yesterday, this guy on Twitter, it's just funny, like every time you tweet, like you mentioned this, every time you tweet Wichita State, like you're just going to get, you, oh, that's all I could do right now. I could just tweet Wichita State, you know? <laughs> and people would be like, ah, they suck. Or, oh, they're going <laughs> to they're gonna fall apart. They or, play JV teams. Yeah, so they okay. play, oh yeah, I get that all the time. They play, or how about this one? I got yesterday. That, well, now this two-week break's really going to hurt them. And oh, it, it's, like, it's like, at what point do you stop? People have been saying since the beginning of the year that something is going to hurt them. We just changed the something, right? It's going to be that two-game road trip, you know, to Indiana State, Northern Iowa. That's going to hurt them. Or when they when they had to travel because of weather on the day of the Indiana State game, oh, that's going to get them. You know, like nothing ever gets them. Like, then, they, then, then they needed to lose a game. Yeah, to, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> right. Then they need to lose a game because they're slipping. And then they win every Missouri Valley Conference tournament game by by at least – 
13, 14 points. I mean, they blow out everybody. Um, it's just like, it's crazy to me. People keep like saying, well, you, like I, I wrote this in the column. People, pe never mind that Wichita State is, is probably, you know, statistically the most reliable team in the country in terms that they never lose to bad teams. Whereas we watch Duke lose to Wake and we watch Syracuse lose to Boston College and we watch, you know, uh, all of these other teams do it. Uh, Wisconsin lose to Northwestern. Um, the, the, which I'll say never lost, like they never lost a game to anybody, including all those bad teams. And yet when the brackets released, there's going to be somebody out there saying they're going to be the first number one to lose to a 16. They never lose to those types of teams. Other people do. Syracuse loses to bad teams and Duke loses to bad teams and Wisconsin loses to bad teams and Virginia loses to bad teams. But, uh, but, but, but Wichita State never has. I just, the, the, this, mm -hmm. this anxiousness to, to be dismissive of them uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Here's the question I want you to address, Norlander. Explain to people, if you can, why the Missouri Valley Conference's um, lack of strength has nothing to do with the Ken Palm numbers that Wichita State has assembled. Because I had a guy yesterday, it was funny, like he, he wanted to use the, the numbers in one place, but not in another. He said, oh, congratulations, Wichita State. You beat Indiana State. They would be ninth in the Big 12, according to Ken Palm. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. You respect the Ken Palm numbers. That's fine. Well, then do, are you, do you respect that Wichita State would be one in the Big 12 in Ken Palm? Because they would. And he said, oh, but that, that's stupid. Well, why, why are you accept the number? Why do you accept the data in one place but not in the other? If you want to reject all the data, I'm fine with that, I guess. I mean, if you want to, seems dumb, but you can do it. Uh, but to, to apply it in one place, but then when it, when it says nice things about Wichita State, to just be totally dismissive of it seems ridiculous to me. Can you explain this to people, Norlander? <sighs> um, I guess I don't, I don't want to take too deep of a dive here, uh, but it actually speaks amazingly of of Wichita State for right now they're fourth in Ken Palm and they're 34-0 and that actually speaks amazingly of how good they are considering how weak the league is this year that they're even that high because I feel like if, if they even had one loss in Ken's formula uh, they would plummet to somewhere between honestly 13 and 20 um, in terms of what they would do in in the Big 12 and whatnot, I mean, oh gosh, that argument is just like so played out. I'm so sick of it. Um, you know what they do in the Big 12 about what Kansas did or yes, or, or, they would, or like, Oklahoma I, I did. Look at the, or, yeah, they lose some. State did. All right, yeah, okay, so they lose some games, but you know what? They they'd be at or near the top of the Big 12 this season with what they have, and the and the and his formula measures. Uh, as we've stated before, you know, efficiency, how they do uh, with and guarding the ball, points per possession, points allowed per possession, uh, among other things. And, and that kind of stuff is, yes, indicative of the teams that you've played against, but it's also adjusted for opponent. So it's not just exactly the teams you've, you've gone against in, in, in raw data, so to speak. He actually has um, a formula there that, that factors in, okay, if you kind of put these teams against each other, this is generally how they would stack up. And right now, Wichita State is the fourth best team. You know, a real quick thing, I, I think the... Um, the turning point for Pomeroy's system in terms of being nationally acknowledged and accepted, I guess would be the word, was when Duke won it uh, back in 2010. They were number one in Pomeroy for like two months leading up to it. A lot of people did not like that Duke team at all. This is the team that barely beat Butler in the title game. Um, but 
And like I'm talking like early January, Duke was the number one team and people were kind of dismissing, dismissing, dismissing. And it's not like because they were number one, he was right all along. It was more, you know, this the system told you for a good while that Duke was really the best or among the best teams in college basketball. And uh, and when they ended up winning it all, it was it was mild vindication for for Ken's system. Um, but anyway, that's that's a short way of. of yeah, of it's just that, like I always get like these. Like, if, if I have Arizona ranked three, right, I think that's where I have Arizona. And really, this is before the Oregon game, because since then, the Arizona fans have kind of quieted down. But, like, leading up to that, it'd be like, go look at the Ken Palm numbers. Arizona's number one. So, so they have it right, and you have it wrong, which may be right. I mean, hell, I don't know. I, I, I obviously care about different things than Ken's formula cares about. Um, but, but whatever, like I, if somebody wants to argue Arizona's number one, I'm fine with that. If you want to back it up with the Kim Pom number, I'm fine with that too. Louisville fans right now, you know, they, oh, you don't know anything about anything. How could you have Louisville ranked wherever I have Louisville? Yeah, and they're two and by the way, they're two in Kim Pom right now. Right. That's, uh, so here, here's my point. Yeah. So then, so then Louisville fans are like, cause they're second in Kim Pom. And yet it is these exact same people who will then try to tell you Wichita State's not any good. Like, if you're going to acknowledge that the, the, the Ken Palm numbers mean something because Arizona's number one and Louisville's number two and Florida's number three, then you, you, I think you, then you re, you're done with the, with the idea of trying to be dismissive of Wichita State because they're in the same group. I, don't, I guess that's my biggest thing. I can't understand how people will use these numbers to validate their power conference school but then, try to, but then be dismissive of Wichita State really in the same conversation. I think it's just they don't probably don't understand. They're just dumb. That's what we're trying to say, right? There's just a lot of dumb people on Twitter, and I should ignore them. Is that what you're telling me? Boom. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, let's make a pact to just uh, ignore it. I mean, here's the deal. I don't want to it's, it's, not, it's, it's fun to kind of engage. It's, oh, I mean, it's fun to little poke fun at. But, I mean, it, now we get to the tournament part, and uh, whenever they lose, I mean, we'll, uh, we'll address it then. That's but it's why just... I, I'm, I, like, seriously, I, I don't even mind saying this. I, I don't usually root for teams. I root for stories. Whatever. I, I want them to do well. I want them to do well in the tournament. Really? Same here. Like, and here's just, to, what, just to quiet people out. Just, like, to I don't quiet, know. just to quiet people up. And I talked to Fred Van Vliet about this yesterday, and um, he was really good just sort of saying, listen, we, you know, we're, we're ready for this. You know, we know what the stakes are. Like, it, it was interesting hearing it from him because I, I sort of put it out there for him. I said, listen, you guys just did something amazing, 34-0. You're going to be – but, like, it, the people who believe in you think this is amazing. The people who don't believe in you – this is what I told Fred – they don't. They still don't think you've done anything. There was nothing you could do this week that was going to going to convince anybody to come to your side of this argument. And he was like, "Oh, I know." And and I said, "So that said, how anxious are you guys to get into the tournament and and not just beat people, but like play pat? Like I imagine they look at the bracket and they don't want um, their eight seed or nine seed to be, you know, from the Atlantic Ten or to be from uh, Conference USA. You know, they want." I, or the Mountain West. I, I think they want – bring on your SEC team. Bring on your Big 12 team. Bring on your uh, uh, ACC team. Like, they want to play those uniforms and show people we could have been doing this to those guys all year long. Like, I, I get the sense that that's what they're after, and honestly, that's what I'm after as well. And I want them to do well because I don't want people to – to, and I, I don't think it'll be wrong, but it'll be a hard thing to argue. I don't want people to draw grand conclusions after a round of 32 loss that says, see, they were never any good. Regardless of what happens going forward, this team's really good, as yeah. the, all the data suggests. But you guys know as well as I do, if they go out early, it is gonna be, uh, it's going to be hell. 
Yeah, I, and by the way, I thought uh, the weekend it will be hell, um, you know, so to speak, relatively speaking, in the sports realm. Um, but uh, I thought, you know, Paris, you had a great weekend, and it was so fitting that you got to see the two biggest and best stories and best things about college basketball this year. I thought it was fitting that they happened on consecutive days, and in a weird way, we're connected to that Valley, um, Missouri Valley Conference. Obviously, Creighton's not there anymore. But for McDermott on senior night at home, sellout crowd, biggest crowd, I guess, ever in that building's history. Not only does he, you know, break 3,000, he sets a personal record in scoring 45 points, uh, so a career high. They get the big, easy win. Um, and he passed, you know, he passed Oscar Robertson first, then he got to 3000, then he passed Hersey Hawkins, then he set the career high. I mean, honestly, like, and, and, and barring hitting a game winner to send Creighton to the final four, I think, uh, Doug McDermott just had the best game of his college career on Saturday. It was perfect. It was awesome to be there. Like the whole weekend, like, you know, we've talked about this before when you've done this job, as long as I've done this job, you sort of become numb to it all. Like, you know, people will ask me, so what are you doing this weekend? And I go, ah, I got to fly to Raleigh. And they're like, what for? And I'm like, ah, I got to go to Duke Carolina game. And they're like, Oh my God, that's awesome. You're going to be in Cameron into whatever. And it's just like, um, I go, yeah, yeah. And you, you just realize that these things that are on other people's bucket list, you're getting to do and you, but you do them. So, and so it's neat. It's awesome. But you do them so often that they just sort of blend together and, and I, I guess my point is, like, this weekend is one that I could actually appreciate in real time. You know, like, I didn't have to look back on it and, and sort of, like, slap myself and go, Jesus, man, be a little more appreciative of what you're being, you know, to do. This is like a, dr a childhood dream to go to these places and these events. Like, appreciate it. Stop being an asshole. Um, but, but, like, you talk, this, you talk to yourself like that? I'm, I'm picturing Paris, like, walking around. Yelling, yelling oh, at himself in a mirror. Oh, I really do. I, I, talk, I talk to myself like this all the time. I hate myself. I talk to myself like this all the time. I cuss myself out every other day. And so um, this is one where I didn't have to have that conversation with myself. Like, you, you just sort of know. Like, you're, I mean, this is really awesome to be here. And, and because, you know, I don't want to uh, get too, like, uh, sentimental. But, you know, I've gotten to know Doug over the years. I've gotten to know Greg over the years. And, and to watch him go from what he was, which was a mid-major recruit, to one of the all-time greats in college basketball. And to be there on that night where it was going to be awesome period. Like senior night for Doug McDermott was going to be awesome regardless, right? So I was happy to be there just for that. But then we had all these little bitty moments that were separated by, by, by time uh, that gave you a, another like great memory. Like, okay, he passes Oscar. Wow, that's a big moment. Like, like look around, take this in. And then he, he gets the 3,000. It's like, wow, that was another big moment. Let's take this in. Then he goes for the career high 45. So you had all these uh, different moments. And then to be able to go from there you know, with a 6 a.m. flight, by the way, don't ever schedule a 6 a.m. flight on the day that we actually lose an hour of sleep because of daylight oh. <laughs> Yeah. You talk about wanting to kill yourself. Like I almost like I almost murdered myself at some point between leaving uh, uh, the arena in Omaha and heading to the airport in Omaha. I almost just did myself. I was going to be done with it. But then to then watch history again. Yeah, uh, you didn't want to let Fred Van Vliet down. Could not, sure, yeah, because so. I love Fred Van Vliet just as much as I love Doug McDermott. So okay. I um I, I no, but like to like I really got to witness history. You know, in a span of twenty hours in two different places as it pertains to college basketball. Um, so it, it was a, a neat night all the way around. Um, I do want to uh, move on and touch on. Uh, what I think is the big story at this moment, which is that Joel Embiid, the, 
the probable, uh, maybe po let's just say possible, but at one point seemed probable and likely number one pick in the 2014 NBA draft, assuming that he enters the 2014 NBA draft, is in California as we're talking, uh, meeting with a, a back specialist. I, actually, since we started this call, um, I just uh, was texting with Bill Self, and he said, like, the, the, everything is, uh, you know, this is, they, they promised the family they would get a second opinion. They're, 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 they're delivering on that promise. He, he seems to, and again, it's a text message, so I can't really, I don't want to say what he's implying, but he seems to suggest that, hey, look, we were always going to get a second opinion. Like, we, you know, this, we're just trying to play it safe. We still feel like he'll be able to go when the Big 12 tournament starts on Thursday. Whether that's true or not, we'll see. Um, but, but how significant is this, A, to the NBA draft, B, to the college basketball season, or actually, let's flip those, A, to the college basketball season, B, to the NBA mm -hmm. draft, that Joel Embiid seems to have back issues that are uh, more significant than we initially realized. A, I, I think they, they can't win a championship if he's injured. I and mean, if he's not playing, I don't think they have the interior defense to win a title. We saw them against West Virginia over the weekend without him, and their defense was awful. I, you know, most of it was on the perimeter because West Virginia was hitting shots, but you know, Devin Williams played well down low, and I don't think that would have happened if Embiid was there. To me, he just kind of adds, he's such a, a, you know, a game changer at both ends of the floor. Uh, you know, he was getting better offensively. He was putting up double-doubles with, with ease pretty much. And, you know, he's a guy that can throw the ball to and get a basket. And then defensively, he's just a rim protector. And then in terms of NBA, you know, with these issues, they keep kind of cropping up over the past few months. You know, if, if him and Wiggins have similar ceilings, you know, Wiggins is, is kind of the safer pick. And it sounds kind of crazy to say that Wiggins is a safe pick, but... You know, he's, he's got no injury problems. Maybe he's got the, you know, motor problems that some people say he has. But I think Wiggins right now, if you had to stack those two next to each other, you'd have to go Wiggins just because Embiid's got these injury problems. We don't know how long um, these could linger on for. Norlander, uh, do you agree? I mean, I think I'm on board with that. I would be uh, hesitant. In a draft that is this strong elsewhere, like people still debate whether it should be Wiggins, Parker, or, or Embiid to begin with. Uh, given that you've got other seemingly great options, with, without knowing the extent of what's going on with his back, I, I think just blindly, I'd be hesitant to, to pull the trigger uh, at number one on a 19-year-old with back issues. Would you? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I couldn't take Embiid first overall. Uh, I actually never would have from the start. I understand people that, you know, he's a tantalizing player. Uh, too many big men throughout history have had too many issues. I mean, Greg Oden, who was freaking dominant his uh, year at Ohio State, he also faced uh, injury problems uh, leading up to his college career. And then during that one year at Ohio State, granted, he was uh, still ridiculous. And now we see what what his, his career has become. Obviously, Odin is not Embiid, and Embiid is not Odin. But still, when you've got this kind of situation with a back, and we know that back issues can be... I mean, look at what happened to Mitch McGarry this right. year. Um, Jared Sullinger was hampered by some of this. Obviously, he's not the same kind of player as Embiid, and McGarry's not the same player. But the point is, uh, big men are a tricky proposition at the number one overall spot when you have injury concerns with Embiid. That's why I couldn't take him real quick on the uh, college hoop side of it. 
this is a, a huge bummer uh, from the mere standpoint that I love watching Embiid play. I mean, I, I with him on the floor, Kansas is the most entertaining team in the country to watch with Creighton a close second, in my opinion. So what this will do, we got to see what the, the the diagnosis is, and we got to see how effective he is if he plays in the Big 12 tournament. Um, Kansas has eight losses. No team's ever gotten a one with eight losses. I don't think it can. Uh, I think it would have to win out with a healthy Embiid and have other things break its way to get that. Uh, so we're looking at a situation where if Embiid actually is kind of hindered like if he doesn't play in the big 12 tournament um will that affect kansas seed will the committee say well we don't know what to expect from him we'll put him at a three instead of a two i don't know i agree with borzello can't win it all if he's not on the floor with him i would certainly consider if uh, if he's fully healthy but that is you know in terms of a non on the court specific uh storyline i think Embiid's back right now over the next few days is the uh, is the do big thing to watch do you for. think they should rest him during the big 12 tournament yes if i do if, he, if he's 50 yes. 50 i would rest yes. yeah no absolutely I, I i would say rest him unless he is uh, doctor's clear and he says he is you know 100% I, right. I would arrest him like ultimately if Kansas it doesn't were matter lose, yeah like worst case scenario okay if he's healthy and Kansas lost his first big 12 tournament game I think there are three and I don't know how much it's really going to impact you know what they're going to do in the tournament overall so yes I would rest him yeah I think having a 100% if there is going to be a, such a thing on the table Joel Embiid um, e- even if it comes at, a, at, at the expense of taking a, a drop in seed is is worth whatever drop in seed you would have to take. Right. You know, like at the end of the day, um, you know, Kansas is good enough to do the whole thing if they're if they're at full strength and healthy. And so, um, there's no I, very few people you could put in a region with them that I would pick against them. If you told me in advance, Joel Embiid is 100. percent So, like, if it's a, if that's a two seed or a three seed, like, what what does it matter really? You know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just, I, you know, I hate when we get to the tournament and we have a, a premier team with a star player um, that gets injured that either straight up can't play or, you know, like what happened, uh, we, we saw Kenna this. Marshall. And, and Kyrie. I mean, for Duke, Kyrie. A, lot of his, a lot of his freshman year. So we've, ha- we've had this a lot over in recent years uh, of, of premier teams, one, twos, or three seeds at worst that have, have missed a star player. And uh, it, just, it just generally sucks. Yeah, I mean, I think Kendall, with, I think Carolina with Kendall could have pushed that Kentucky team. You yeah. Know? Right. Yeah. No, going in before I mean, they, the Marshall they, thing they, happened. They, it was they did during the regular season. Exactly. Remember, leading up to that, sure. it was Kentucky or Carolina. And now, you know, Marshall gets injured. We don't really remember that Carolina team quite as much. But they were, uh, they were right there. Michigan State is another team that we've been talking about. Are they going to be healthy for the NCAA tournament? They've got all their bodies back now. I don't know that everybody's 100% or even 80%, but everybody's in uniform and on the court. And I, I thought, like, after their midweek senior night uh, sort of blowout of Iowa, that, okay, here they go. Like, they looked great, particularly in the second half, and then they back it with another loss. No shame in losing in Columbus, really, but um, you know, I just I still don't know what to make of this team. When they look good, they look, they look better, better probably than anybody in the country. Uh, but at some point, teams that lose this much just don't go and do what it is we're asking them to do, do they? It's still, I mean, to me, it still comes down to Keith Appling. You know, he, yeah. he looked fine during midweek, and then yesterday he looked, you know, back to the kind of hampered by the wrist, you know, he has in the past month. And he had two points, one for four. He just wasn't, like, when he's hurt, he's, a, he's an average point guard, and they need him to be, you know, the all-American caliber point guard he was for the first three months of the year. Uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Michigan State in general, I still, like, I can still totally see him winning the Big Ten tournament. The Big Ten, by the way, uh, that tournament I think is going to be really interesting because, you know, I, I, maybe we can get to the bubble in a quick sec, but I actually think Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, I actually think they're the first two out right now. And I think Nebraska is out right now? 
I think they're the first team out. I think Nebraska is just on the cut line. I know, I know, I know. I'm I know. booing I, you right now. And, and, I went to our, uh, I went to our, I went to our palm reader and started comparing teams, and I would just have them out. I think the Big Ten tournament's actually going to be uh, the most interesting one in terms of seeding, uh, because Michigan State really has a wild variance of what they could do. Ohio State, I don't buy it. Like. Just a real quick thing to circle back on Michigan State. Like uh, they, was, Harris tweaked his ankle apparently, and obviously uh, he's done that before. So we got to see how healthy he is over the next week or so. Uh, I still like Wisconsin a lot, but of course they go and they lose at Nebraska yesterday. Minnesota's playing for its life. I don't really buy into Ohio State that much. Iowa can't defend anyone. Iowa is slipping into the 10 or 11 seed range. So there's a lot of movement, I feel, more than normal for a major conference tournament that's to be had at the Big Ten tournament this week. But so you guys both have Nebraska in, but you yes, would have Minnesota in, but but Minnesota out, right? I have Minnesota out, yeah. Yeah, Minnesota out, Nebraska in. Now, I like, think I think Minnesota needs to win two games too, because I think beating Penn State again won't really do much for them. And who does Nebraska open with in the They have they have a bye, don't they? They have the bye by nature of winning, so we don't know yet. Ohio State. They're probably gonna play Ohio they're probably gonna play Ohio State, right? Ohio State's fifth. So if Ohio State beats what Purdue? I think it's Purdue, right? So yeah, right. I, I think how about this? So if you're Nebraska, I think you're rooting for Ohio State. You don't want to have to play Purdue because you don't want to put yourself at risk of a, right. of a quote, bad loss. I wouldn't. I'd rather play Ohio State, and I think then, no matter what happens. I don't know. I think they're still in. If you say they're not, Matt Norlander, you, you can, you can, you're never allowed it in 10-mile so office. Do you, do you think Pittsburgh's in, Norlander? Uh, yeah. Because if you compare Nebraska and Pittsburgh, it's not that close. Yeah, that's a good. Bring stuff. it up, bring it up, bring it up on your palm things. Yeah, right? hey, yeah. hey, get your palm reader back. You no, know, what? That's, that's, that's a great point. I, dude, I do not like Pittsburgh at all. You know what? I'll even uh, cop to. Then put Nebraska in the field right now. You know what? Put them in the field. Do Just it. Did. Do it. That's did. Just did. Okay, fine. Put it on Rick Bird's whiteboard. <laughs> oh, let's not get into. You know oh. what? Belmont. They're not going back to the tournament. Rick Bird missed it. Delaware's gonna though. Delhi tonight. Yes. Oh. Yeah, how- how 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 did, did how um how upset were you when when Belmont went down, Norlander? That's pretty rough. I gotta admit that was pretty. Uh, I I did not take it all that well. By the way, though, I mean I was uh, just real quick. I uh, saw Harvard clinch on Friday. Good on them. Three in a row. Um, they're four gonna probably four in a row, but three in a row to make the tournament. Right. They lost that playoff that you were at Borzell a few years back. I think Harvard's a lock to be an 11 seed personally, uh, and a dangerous one at that. And then we had some good. Uh, conference title games. I mean, Dunk City won't be back. Mercer played really well, but that was a really entertaining game to watch. So uh, we got five bins in now and and I guess three more to be handed out tonight. All right. Remember, you're listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast brought to you by Squarespace where you can easily create your own professional website or online portfolio. Squarespace is constantly improving its platform with new features, new designs, and an even better support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and all the style options you need to create a unique website for your business. And they uh, also have amazing support available 24-7. Starts at just $8 a month and you can start a free trial with no credit card required, uh, which means you can start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, remember this, use the offer code FUN to get 10% off and to show your support for the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. All right, let's finish this up with three things that we're looking forward to uh, this week brought to you by Squarespace. We are in championship week. Uh, what's the biggest thing you're looking forward to? Is it Doug McDermott at the Garden? I think that's probably on an individual basis uh, going to be the neatest thing to watch, right? No, it's, it's Delaware's game tonight. Delaware's <laughs> game tonight. Okay, that, well, okay, how about this? Since we got Norlander to put Nebraska in the field, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll compromise here. Number one thing that we're looking forward to this week, uh, <laughs> Delaware tonight playing for a bid 
uh, to the NCAA tournament. That's number one. Number two, can we go Duncan Dermott at the Garden? Yeah, we can do that. I'll let you do that. Norlander, Borzelli, you guys are going to uh, alternate. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that the way that's going to go down? Yeah, we're going to both be uh, A-10 and Big East. Actually, and, and Borzello, I believe, on Saturday is going to hit up Stony Brook on the island. Uh, Stony Brook, I, I, that might be Borzello's third thing uh, to look forward to. Is, is their <laughs> Stony Brook's game? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you're a Delaware grad, so that makes sense. But yeah, no, the, uh, the A-10, by the way, the A-10, uh, the Big East should be interesting. I mean, you basically have a de facto elimination game that starts with Providence St. John's. Whoever loses that has no shot at a bid. The winner, I think, still has to win one more game. St. John's might have to actually reach the title game in the Big East to uh, to have a say. Uh, but the A-10, man, this league, after losing Xavier Butler, who was only there for a year, and Temple, kind of three big programs, right now, St. Louis is in, VCU is in, George Washington's in. UMass is in, that's four. Dayton is in right now as five. St. Joe's is slipping, but they're in at six. If St. Joe's can get a win this week and Dayton doesn't take on a bad loss... I'm excited to see what that conference tournament plays out as because six bids is is extremely impressive in a year where I think no one expected more than four. Yeah. Third thing, okay, let's talk about the final number one seed. I think at this point, Florida's a lock no matter what. Wichita State's a lock. Um, yep. I think, Arizona's I, a lock. I think Arizona's a lock as well. So we're really playing for that one number one seed. Probably Villanova's to lose, but if they if they Which lose, is crazy by the way. It is crazy, but if they if they get beat by Creighton for a third straight time. I just think the committee, they could, they could have triggered something in somebody's head. Yeah. They're, just, they're just not going to let them be a one seed if they get worked by Creighton again. But there was so much so much top seed kind of carnage over the, you know, throughout yeah. the week with Wisconsin like Duke, loss, Virginia Wisconsin, loss. Virginia, Duke, Syracuse, Kansas. Uh, so I it kind of it kind of fell to Villanova. And, you know, I, I don't know. If they lose, who's going to take I mean, would Kansas get it with eight losses? I you still know? think, I know that, his, that it's never been done with eight losses. I think if Kansas... With a healthy Embiid were to win the Big 12 tournament and Villanova were to lose, I think Kansas can get it. I think I, – I might be alone here, guys. I think Syracuse, if it wins out and Villanova doesn't, has a still decent shot at getting that final one seed. And you guys – and I think, I think I'm very alone on this. Why can't – if Syracuse doesn't do it, if Kansas loses, if Villanova loses and San Diego State wins out, why can't we uh, get San Diego State that one seed? It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Like, like it's as simple as that. It's just not going to happen. You know, like yeah. – um, like that New Mexico team, you know their their resume from last year from the same league was like really really impressive. Yeah, they had, they had like seventeen top hundred wins last year, or something yeah. like that. And they were a three. I know. They were. Just, I know. Yeah, they were just never going to get it done. Like I, I I think you could make the argument, you know, if they were to beat New Mexico again, San Diego State, and all this other bad stuff happened around the country. Uh, but it just it, it's a little bit like arguing about whether Wichita is going to be a one seed or not. I hear you. Like they're go, they're going to because they're going to, and San Diego State's not going to because it's not going to. But I wouldn't like people are killing me right to the extent that people are uh, like people are commenting. I don't want to say killing about me still having Kansas at fifth, you know, um, in the top twenty five and one. But like if you go look at their resume, that's what it is. I think. I mean, I think they're right there. I know they got a lot of losses, but yeah. they've only got one questionable loss, and that's the one at West Virginia over the weekend. They got better wins than anybody in the country. Um, I, I think if they were to win the Big 12 tournament and, and, and beat the right teams on the way, and really because of the depth of the Big 12, even though yeah. uh, I, I think it's going to be hard not to get add top 50 wins by winning the Big 12 tournament, um, I, I think they could still get there. Maybe. I think I think one team. I think Michigan, if they win the Big Ten tournament, maybe could sneak in, depending on what everyone else does, because that would be a, a Big Ten regular season and tournament championship. They'd probably be beating two or three more top fifty teams, which would bring them to ten or eleven. 
um, top 10 or 11, top 50 wins this year. So I think, you know, it, depending on what happens, I think they could kind of be a dark horse that moves from, you know, the back end of the two seed line to maybe the fourth number one. I think a few people might be wondering why we haven't brought up Louisville, but their non-conference isn't good yeah. enough by any means. Um, well, that's what I was going to say. Like Louisville, Cincinnati are both sitting here 26 and five. Neither one of them have a loss outside of the top 50. Like they don't have a bad loss. And, you know, uh, you know, one of them could, I mean, theoretically win this American tournament, which would probably, um, you know, require them to, to win at Memphis over Memphis, which would be a nice win. Um, if, if one of them were to win the, the American tournament I, and this other bad stuff happens, I think you could make a case for them. I don't know that they'd get there, but you could make a, you could make a reasonable case. Uh, I would make the case for San Diego State over them because it's a tougher non-con. San Diego State wins against Creighton in Kansas at Kansas and much fewer losses. So I, you could make the case. I would just put uh, the Aztecs. I would put Kansas ahead. Michigan's a weird one. That, like Villanova, they don't seem like a one, but you know maybe they are. I'm still. By the way, I'm just still amazed that Villanova has been able to keep on doing this. I mean, the quietest maybe 28 and three major conference team ever. Uh, with those two weird losses to Creighton and lost at Syracuse, so they've got a lot riding on this week, um, and it should be a it should be a good one. I mean, this is this will be a very interesting championship week in terms of that one seed. I still think there's a little bit of movement around the four and six lines. Obviously, the bubble talk dominates so much, but we've even got guys like. In my opinion, like, as I was saying with Iowa, teams that are floating around like 9 or 10, right? Like, what if Kentucky, okay, call it unlikely, but Kentucky has proven that when you think they can't lose again, they will. Like, if Kentucky loses once more, they're probably going to be clinging to, like, an 11 seed at that point. You look at their resume, it's actually not that good. So the Wildcats have a lot to gain. If they can make an SEC final, I think they can secure, like, a 6 or a 7 seed. If they can't do that, then uh, they could, honestly, in my opinion, drop as far to an 11. Before I let you guys go, um, as we're sitting here talking about Kentucky and the SEC tournament, it, 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 I'm reminded that, as we were noting earlier, uh, the his historically nice things that happened this weekend. Doug going for 3,000, Wichita State going 34-0. We should probably mention that Florida became the first SEC team in history to, yeah. to finish the regular season 18-0 and in league play. The idea, like, listen, Billy's won back-to-back -back national titles with um, – and, and that's, a that's a great achievement that, you know, is, is very rare in this sport or any other. Um, I, you know, what he's done with this team is, is just as impressive because I, I think – you know, you give me Torian Green, Lee Humphrey, Corey Brewer, Joe Noah, Al Horford. Like, we could, we, we're going to win a lot of games, right? This roster, the idea that he's been able to do this with this roster is, like, like, like really one of the great coaching achievements um, of the past few years. And, and uh, we, uh, they don't have the, the obvious pros that make me sort of fall in love with a team the way I tend to do. But, my God, they just beat the hell out of everybody consistently every time they step on the court. It's really impressive to watch what Billy's been able to do with this particular roster. Especially with all the kind of issues they had in the first two months with injuries and suspensions yeah. and Chris Walker. And he kind of, to me, he just kind of made them think that they can win, you know, beat anybody, whether they're full strength or down three people. I mean, the only two losses – uh, you know, they weren't full strength, and it was by one at UConn and by, I think, four, <laughs> five, or six at Wisconsin. I mean, you know, at full strength, they, they could be undefeated. Ridiculous. Okay, that's that's my favorite fact about Florida is that the, I it was a fluke loss at UConn. Okay, Wilbekin wasn't on the floor because he got injured in his ankle in the final four minutes. Okay, and he's probably guarding Shabazz, and he doesn't get that shot off. Okay, so they probably win that if he's healthy. And then they weren't full strength 
at Wisconsin, lose by six. This team is crazy close to being undefeated. Uh, only fourth team in the past 15 years from a major conference to run the table. Uh, we know Kentucky obviously did it in the SEC two years ago, but that was only a 16-game slate. I think oh it's been ridiculous um, what he's been able to do. And, and with Donovan... Uh, he's extremely respected in within the profession, within coaching circles, considered a top 10 coach. I think general college basketball fans think he's a very good coach but wouldn't put him on an elite tier yet. I think that's totally wrong. That's crazy. Yeah. I know, yeah. I know, but I'm telling you, like, if you started asking people to name what they thought that was the best coach in college basketball and make a list, I think Donovan does not even start getting mentioned until 10, 11, 12, which is ridiculous. That's, but that's stupid. What, that's stupid. That's what happens when you've got, you know, Beheim, Williams, Krzyzewski, Izzo, you go, go on down the list. I know, I'm just saying. But what my point is this. Three straight Elite Eights, and they haven't been able to break through. They should break through this year. He'll get to a Final Four. And then they've got – they're the favorite. This is the favorite to win it all. And if he wins a third national title, he is an all-time great. I mean, the number of guys that have won three – is extremely low. I mean, he'll be, the, I think, the sixth one ever to do it. Uh, so that he stands kind of on the cusp of something pretty incredible and amazing with a very good team. And I don't think people are really quite realizing just what it, what this team's capable of and what uh, what he can really do to to enhance his legacy. It's like an all time great, which is uh, which is pretty. Remarkable. I think I think he'll be in the NBA pretty soon too. I, I wonder if he wins it and then you know you've achieved this much exactly. That's that's kind of the next step of the conversation. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I've kept you guys long enough. Let's get on with our days and let everybody else get on with their days. Thank you for being here. Thanks to everybody for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Presented by Squarespace over on iTunes. That's the quickest way to get the newest episode each and every time we record a new episode. So make sure you're doing that. It's free. And uh, either way, I will talk to you again a little later on this week. Take care of yourselves.